My father was born in Babylon, but he wasn't of Babylon. He went on to become, um, once they'd released him after a couple of years, he went on, he finished matric, uh, he listened to his father and he went to school. Uh, he became a doctor, very respectable thing. And, but the fire still burned within him. The fire would not be quelled. The fire would not go away. The fire burned deep, burned hot, burned red, and it got him sent right back to prison all over again. And so my father spent 10 years in Robben Island um, because he was born in Babylon, but he wasn't of Babylon. Uh, my father was my father. My father was a doctor. My father was a trained bandit. My father was born in Babylon, but he wasn't of Babylon. My father set himself on fire. My father was born in Babylon. Our anchor scripture this morning comes from Daniel. Can we have that die? Daniel eleven thirty two, which reads as follows: The people that do know their God will be strong and do great exploits. That's the King James Version. The NIV version says the people who know their God will display strength and take action. They'll be strong. They'll do great exploits. They'll show strength. They'll take action. What was Babylon? What is Babylon? Historically, Babylon was the greatest city in the world. It was the center of all power and authority in the ancient world. It was the greatest city in the world. It was New York before there was New York. It was America before there was America. Babylon, all-powerful. Babylon, amazing. Babylon, a center of learning. Babylon, a center of military strength. Babylon, 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 the center of the world. Babylon was famous for a great many things. Amongst them were the hanging gardens of Babylon. One of the great ancient wonders of the world. Amazing, beautiful, spectacular. Never seen until that time, never seen since that time. Babylon. Anyone here know any of the current um, wonders of the world? The seven wonders. Anyone? Shout it out if you know any of the seven wonders. Say that again, nice and loud. Okay, say some more. The Taj Mahal, the pyramids at Giza, the wonderful things that demonstrate the power of man. Babylon was that. Babylon was the biggest city in the world. It had more than 900 temples. It stretched for a th- for a hundred kilometers in every direction. That was the size of Babylon. It was the center of the world. In the Bible, Babylon becomes relevant in the year 587. Because in the year 587 BC, the Babylonian kingdom that had risen up and taken over what had previously been the Assyrian kingdom began to stretch its influence throughout the Middle East. 
It began to flex its power. It began to press its case. It began to want to show the world just what it was capable of. And it was just a matter of time before the little kingdom of Judah was the next target in line. And so that's what happened. A number of battles were fought. Uh, the Judeans fought faithfully. The Judeans fought bravely that the Judeans fell. King Jedekiah was killed, dead. The last king of Israel. The last of a long line. The last who would sit on the throne in Israel. In Judah. And so the Babylonians took Judah captive. They took the heir to the throne, Jeconiah, and they sent him back to Babylon. They took a whole number of young, bright, capable, qualified people, a lot of the nobility, a lot of the most influential people in Israel were sent into captivity in Babylon. It was part of the Babylonian plan to to suck the strength, to suck the life, to suck everything uh, out of Israel, out of Judah. And that's exactly what they did. And for 50 years, 49 years to be exact, from eight, from 587 to 538, Israel and its leaders and its king were in captivity in Babylon. And a great many things happened in Babylon, many of which you know about. A great many exploits were done in Babylon, many of which you know about, many of which we'll discuss this morning. Babylon. But Babylon is more than that. Babylon is, is wherever the king of darkness rules. Babylon is where God isn't. Babylon is where God's been rejected. Babylon, Babylon is the world. Ba- Babylon is us outside the Garden of Eden. Babylon is us here and now, naked and afraid in the world. Babylon. We are in Babylon. One day we'll return to Jerusalem. One day we'll return to heaven. One day we'll be fully restored. But for now, we have to live and survive, survive and thrive right here in Babylon. In Babylon. There are only three types of people in Babylon. There are only three ways to be a Jew in Babylon. We're the Jews. All of us here. The people of God. There are only three ways to be in Babylon. The first way to be in Babylon is to be a slave. And to die. And to suffer. And to be miserable. And to be subjugated. And to be oppressed. Because Babylon is not your friend. Babylon is a hostile place. Babylon is a place of death and oppression. And if you let it kill you, it will kill you. If you let it oppress you, it will oppress you. Babylon. That's one way to be a Jew in Babylon. The second way to be a Jew in Babylon is to be a sellout. It's to be a sellout. It's to be a Jew who hides his faith. It's to be a Jew 
who compromises. It's to be a Jew who collaborates. It's to be a Jew who carries favor with Babylon, with the king of Babylon, who makes peace with Babylon. That's the second way to be a Jew in Babylon. The third way to be a Jew in Babylon, and that's us, we're the Jews, and we're in Babylon, is to set yourself on fire. Set yourself on fire. And let Babylon see who you are. Let Babylon know who your God is. Let Babylon know that you will not be cowed. That you will not run. That you will not hide. That you will stand for your God. You will stand with your God. You will stand and set yourself on fire. And those are the people who survive to see the promised land. Who get to make it back to Jerusalem who keep themselves intact, who keep their integrity, who keep their faith, who keep the things that God, that God has told them to keep, who keep His promises. They set themselves on fire. The fire in the darkness. The next slide, please, die. In Matthew 5, 16, we see, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. To be the light in Babylon. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Matthew 4.16 The people living in the darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We have a responsibility in Babylon to be the light. But when we think about the light, we think about this very gentle concept of being a light. I think sometimes we think about holding a lamp in our hand. You know, uh, we're the light that way. You know, it's a lamp. I get to carry it at a safe distance. It's harmless. No, no, no. That's not what it means. You are the light because you're on fire. You're a hot, burning fire in Babylon. That's what God calls us to. That is the challenge for us today in Babylon. That's what God has in store for us. That's what God calls us to. That's what God expects from us. Because as much as we're in Babylon, He's with us. He's not far. He's not distant. He's not ignorant. He's not afraid. And because he's not afraid, we don't have to be afraid. Because he's not afraid, we don't have to be afraid. Guys, today, this is a short message. But I want you to get one thing. You've got to set yourself on fire. You've got to set yourself on fire. That's how you survive. That's how you Thrive. That's how you stand. That's how you win in Babylon. Let's talk about King Jeconiah. So King Jeconiah, as I said to you, um, his father was Zedekiah. Zedekiah was killed uh, as part of the Babylonian victory over the nation of Judah. And Jeconiah was taken prison. 
Um, in fact, it's not true to say he wasn't king at all. He was king for three weeks. The shortest reign of any <laughs> Jewish king. <laughs> and so he was taken into captivity. He was taken to Babylon. And as part of that process, he suffered, he suffered a great many traumas. Um, king Nebuchadnezzar, the, uh, the, the Babylonian uh, king, um, wanted to demonstrate his power to Jeconiah. Uh, and the way he decided to show him just who was in charge, just who had the power, just who had the authority, who had the power of life and death over who, is that he took three of Jeconiah's sons and he killed them in front of him as a demonstration of who had the strength, who had the power, who had the authority. And I think this thing so affected Jeconiah that it broke his spirit. He allowed it to break his spirit. He allowed fear to go into his heart. He allowed himself to be cowed. He allowed himself to be broken. He lost his faith in that process. He decided it was better to be safe in Babylon than faithful in Babylon. He gave up in his mind at first, in his heart, and in reality, that godly mantle of kingship that God had put on him. He had a godly calling to be a king in Israel. And he gave it up in his heart. So much so, so much so, that 15 years later, when Nebuchadnezzar had died, and the new king of Babylon um, took power, he in fact released Jeconiah from prison. Amazing. Released him from prison. And at that moment in time, Jeconiah had a choice. He had a choice to remain faithful in the call that God had given him, to remain defiant in his spirit, or to sell out. He sold out. He stayed in Babylon, even though he didn't have to. He was free to go home. But he'd gotten used to Babylon. He'd become comfortable in Babylon. He got a raise in Babylon. He was given a, a cushy position as one of the senior people in the court of the king of Babylon. He was well fed. He was well clothed. He had a warm bed to go to sleep at night in. He had servants. All of a sudden, Babylon didn't look so bad. All of a sudden, Babylon didn't seem so bad. So he stayed in Babylon. He made peace with Babylon. He made peace with his lot. He made peace with compromise. He collaborated. He sold out. He made friends with the devil. In fact, the devil didn't seem so bad all of a sudden. <laughs> seemed like a decent guy. A reasonable guy. It's easy to make peace with Babylon. It's easy to compromise in Babylon. It's easy to sell out in Babylon. But God expects more. God expects better. God expects everything. Because we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Him. Judah belonged to Him. Israel belonged to him. Jerusalem belonged to him. The promises belonged to him. We belong to him. 
and he is a jealous God. And so the prophet Jeremiah prophesied over Jeconiah because of his his compromise, his collaboration, because of his selling out. And Jeremiah placed this curse over him. This is what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless. A man who will not prosper in his lifetime. For none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore. Jeconiah. 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 What have you done? What have you done? To yourself? To your children? To the nation of Judah? To God's messianic plan? You almost ruined everything. You broke the Davidic line. Jeconiah was almost the end of history. Jeconiah was almost the end of the promise. Jeconiah, because he lacked the fire to stand, almost ruined everything. And he brought a curse upon himself and he brought a curse upon his children. He almost brought a curse upon all. Because he couldn't stand in Babylon. He didn't have the strength. He didn't have the courage. He didn't have the fortitude. He didn't have the faith. He was too afraid. He became of Babylon. But it doesn't have to go that way. That's the good news. There's another version of the story. A better version of the story. There was a man called Zerubbabel. Try and say that three times in a row. (laughs) And Zerubbabel was the great-grandson of Jeconiah. Zerubbabel was born in Babylon. But he wasn't all of Babylon. Zerubbabel was the grandson of a traitor, a sellout, a collaborator. Yet somehow, he found a way in his heart to remain faithful to the call of God, to remain faithful to the traditions of his people, to remain faithful to that thing inside him that told him that there was still a God in Israel. And that the God of Israel wasn't done with him. And that God, the God in Israel wasn't done with the, with the Jews in Babylon. That the God in Israel would restore Jerusalem. That he would rebuild the wall. That he would still complete his plan for humankind. Zerubbabel believed that he could be a part of that plan. He believed that God knew him by name. He believed that God wanted to use him. He believed that God could use him. He believed that there was a way out of Babylon. He refused to make peace with Babylon. 
He refused to make peace with Babylon. Zerubbabel set himself on fire. He set himself on fire. So that when the day came, when the Babylonians were finally overthrown in 538, he was the man that God turned to. He was the man that God could trust. He was the person to whom God could, could give the authority to, to take his people back to Jerusalem. To restore the things that had been broken. To rebuild the things that had fallen apart. To restore the promises that had been interrupted. Interrupted, but not extinguished. And so Zerubbabel and Joshua, who was his great uh, helper and collaborator in the process, they left Babylon. They returned to Jerusalem. They began the work of rebuilding the wall. And they built it. And Jerusalem was made whole again. And a whole two generations of Jews were able to leave Babylon and return to the promised land. To return to the land of their fathers. They were restored. They were made whole. Their fire had sustained them in Babylon. But you know what's interesting? Is that not everyone went back to Jerusalem. Jeconiah stayed. A lot of people stayed. A lot of Jews never returned to Jerusalem. They'd made peace with Babylon. And they'd cut themselves out of God's plan. And for a hundred generations since, have remained out of God's plan. Because they made peace with Babylon. Man, that's not how it has to go. That's not how it needs to be. Can I have the next slide, please, Ty? Let's read together. If you are ready from Daniel chapter 3, 15 to 30, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made. So, context. This is Nebuchadnezzar, the story we grew up listening to. Um, uh, and this is the story of how these three young men were sent into the fire and how they survived the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So this is Nebuchadnezzar talking to them before he sends them into the furnace. This is his final warning. Last chance, guys. If you're bluffing, this is the time to stop bluffing. So Nebuchadnezzar says, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. It's okay. We can call it quits. Worship me and we'll be fine. We'll be friends again. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to receive you, to rescue you from my hand? I can't even read this writing. And I did it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We won't defend ourselves. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, oh, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king's command was so urgent, the furnace was so hot, that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took them in. We're missing some text. You know what happens next. Is there more text? There's more text, thankfully. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't these three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly. Your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. What's going on? He's saying to himself. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed them. Not their bodies, nor their hair, or their heads were singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, my goodness, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own God. Except their own God. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. That's how you win in Babylon. That's how you win in Babylon. 
You set yourself on fire. I want you to say after me. Would you hear because? I want you to say, they were the fire. They weren't afraid of the fire because? They weren't afraid of the fire because? 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 They were the fire. You don't have to fear the fire when you are the fire. They were the fire. The fire of God burned within them. They were the fire. How did they do it? Four simple principles. Four simple principles for being the fire. In Babylon. The first principle is intimacy with God. It's the beginning of it all. Again, in Daniel 11.32, the people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. You have to know your God. You have to know your God. You have to know your God. If you don't know your God, you're in all kinds of trouble in Babylon. You'll never make it in Babylon without your God. You got to know him like a child knows his father, like a wife knows her husband. You got to know your God. You got to be intimate with him. You got to be close to him. He's got to be close to you. You've got to know his voice. The people that know their God. Amen for those who know their God. Amen for those who know their God. For there is hope if you know your God. The second principle for surviving and thriving in Babylon is to be careful and respectful. So the interesting thing about this story is the fact that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not belligerent. They're not fighting. They're not defending themselves in this matter. They respect the laws of Babylon. They understand what Babylon's all about. They know that Babylon has a king. And they find a way to be respectful in that environment. To respect as many of the customs as they can, reasonably. To, to know the laws of Babylon and to follow them where appropriate. They know what to say and what not to say. How to say it and how not to say it. And they can do all of that because they know their God. They know the line, the difference between, between being careful and respectful and selling out. There's a fine line between those things, but it's the difference between life and death. How to respect your employer. How to respect your place of work. How to respect this church. How to respect this government in this, in this nation. How to be a good citizen in Babylon. In spite of all of the things that we know are wrong in Babylon. You can walk honorably. You can walk respectfully. You can walk carefully in Babylon. But you know what they wouldn't do in Babylon? They wouldn't serve any other God. They knew where the line was. I'll dress like this, but I won't do that. I'll walk like this, but I won't do that. I'll talk like this, but I won't 
do that. I won't worship your God. I won't worship your money. I won't worship your status. I won't worship your... I won't do it. The third and perhaps most important thing in that intimacy is to allow his spirit to flow through you. We have no power apart from the spirit of God that lives within us. We are small and fragile and weak and vulnerable, capable of everything that everyone else is capable of, of weakness and deception and selling out and the whole lot, except for the Spirit of God that gives us strength, that gives us wisdom, that gives us power, that gives us access to all that God has promised us on this side of heaven and on that side of heaven, and we have to find a way to let His Spirit flow. The Spirit of God has to flow through you. It's, it's your one unfair advantage over the rest of the world, over the rest of Babylon. Babylon doesn't have that. You've got that. Babylon doesn't have that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that. And then lastly, you have to be bold. You have to be courageous. You have, having heard the Spirit of God, having received a word from God, having received guidance from the Father above, you have to be willing to stand. You have to be willing to be bold. You have to be willing to set yourself on fire. Because in this story, what saved them was the demonstration of God's power and their willingness to walk faithfully in a crazy command. Holy Spirit said, guys, we're going into the fire. That's the plan for today. We're not going to argue this thing. We're not going to fight this thing. We're not going to defend this thing. We're not going to run. We're not going to hide. We're doing fire today. We're doing fire today. We're doing fire today. And don't worry. Don't worry. Because you are the fire. The fire of God burns within you. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to run from. Folks, you are all living in Babylon. This is Babylon. You know, this idea of setting yourself on fire is this amazing, strange thing that we see throughout history. Every revolution ultimately is a revolution which begins with a person or a group of people setting themselves on fire. Going to Robben Island is setting yourself on fire. Joseph set himself on fire. Moses set himself on fire. We have to set ourselves on fire. Because that's the beginning of change. It's, it's, it's a recognition. It's a recognition of God's power within us. And our willingness 
to let it free, to set it free. And to do that, we have to engage in the sacrificial act that says, I don't care. I don't belong to myself anyway. Father, do with me what you will. Use me as you will. Father, I'm available to you. Father, there's nothing too much you can ask of me. Father, I'm yours. I'm yours. So I can set myself on fire. They weren't afraid of the fire. Because they weren't afraid of the fire. Because they weren't afraid of the fire. Because guys in this room today, some of you are on fire. And some of you aren't. Some of you, your fire is so small, it's about to go out. Some of you, your fire, all that's left to show that there was fire, there's a little bit of smoke. Some of you don't even have that anymore. Only you know who you are. Only you know where you are. Only you know how much you've compromised. Only you know how much you've hidden. Only you know how much you've cowed. Only you know which kind of Jew in Israel and in Judah you are. There are only three kinds of Jews in Babylon. Which are you? Which are you? Which are you? Because if you want to thrive, if you want to win, you've got to take the hardest path and you've got to set yourself on fire. Otherwise, you're going to be one of the other two. And we're sitting in a room of smart, capable people today. All of you are smart. You've gone to school. You've got degrees. You've got masters, doctorates, all kinds of things. And it's easy for you to be useful in Babylon. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing to be useful in Babylon. Daniel was useful in Babylon. He was, he was given a position of authority in Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before this happened, had already been given positions of authority in Babylon. They were smart, they were capable, they were qualified, they were straight A students. It's good to be qualified in Babylon. It's good to be useful in Babylon because when you're qualified and capable in Babylon, that gets you in the room with Pharaoh. That gets you in the room with Nebuchadnezzar. That gets you in the room with the king. It puts you in a place of potential influence so that when you set yourself on fire, you can change the course of history. But it's not enough to be qualified, capable, and smart in Babylon. Jeconiah was a smart guy. He was a capable guy. He was a king in Israel. He was useful in Babylon, but he was no use to God. Because he was a sellout. And there's nothing easier in this world. There's nothing easier in this world than to be a sellout. And no one will even judge you for it. Because if... No, it's tough in Babylon. You gotta make ends meet. You gotta put food on the table. You know, the bills don't pay themselves. It's okay. It's easy. Become a Babylonian. To slink into the background. Become part of the furniture. To lose your identity.
But God wants more. God expects more. And today I want you to look into your heart and ask yourself where you are. If that fire is waning, we need to stoke that fire. If that fire is waning, we need to blow on that fire. Because it's not even enough to have the fire in your hands. Closed up, hidden away. You may as well sell out if you're going to do that. Save yourself the trouble. There are no half measures in the kingdom. You're either in or you're out. You're either on fire or you're not. We can set ourselves on fire. We can set ourselves on fire. We can set ourselves on fire and we can change the world and we can have every promise that God has given us today, tomorrow, in our lives, this side of heaven. They weren't afraid of the fire because... Stand up, please. They weren't afraid of the fire because... 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 Who's the fire? Put your hand up if you're the fire. Because... 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 Who's the fire? Who's the fire? Die, are you ready? Die, are you ready? Fire it up. We're done. If you want the fire, come up and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, let's dance our way out of this place and let's take the fire with us. Die. Die.